0: In Jesus' name, I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, "The Love of God." This is part four of that series, "The Compelling Power of God's Love," and this is lesson number two. And as we established in lesson number one, uh, I'm teaching from 2 Corinthians chapters four and five, and I'm taking section by section. And uh, but all of the subject, the, the primary subject of 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 is biblical ministry. The concepts of, concept behind, the purpose, the goal, the subject of biblical ministry. uh, All is uh, being discussed in great detail in 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5. So in lesson number 2, the title of this lesson is, We are the instruments of God's love earthen vessels, the instruments of God's love, earthen vessels, Jesus' name. So uh, I am reading to you from Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. The Amplified reads this way. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. We are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed, and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed, always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same, putting to the death that the Lord Jesus suffered, so that the resurrection resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies. For we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to the death for Jesus sake that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be evidenced through our flesh which is liable to death. Thus death is actively at work in us. But it is in order that our life may be actively at work uh, in you. And finally, We says it this way. But we have this treasure, the reflection of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, in the earthenware containers, in earthenware containers, in order that the super excellence of the power might be from God as a source and not from us. Oh, Jesus, give us this revelation. In Jesus' name, we are hard pressed on from every side. But we are not hemmed in. We are bewildered not knowing which way to turn. But not utterly destitute of possible measures or resources. We are persecuted but not left in the lurch not abandoned, not let down. We are being knocked down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus in order that the life of Jesus might be clearly and openly shown in our body. For as for us, we who are living are perpetually being delivered over to the death for Jesus' sake, in order that the life of Jesus might be clearly and openly shown in our mortal bodies so that death is operative in us and the life, is operative in you. Oh, my friend, my brother, my sister, I cannot tell you at age 60, at 74, having been in the ministry over 52 years now, having had the Holy Ghost over 62 years now, I cannot tell you how many years of frustration I spent Not understanding what God was trying to say in these verses. Wondering, God, where's my victory? Because victory to me meant no problems, no pain, no pressure. I believe that's what victory was. And why is it, Lord? It seems like I never have any victory. There was a prophet of God that spoke to me as a young pastor. I heard him but it took years and years and years before i accepted what he said as absolute truth. He said, "Brother right, God is always going to leave a measure of crisis in your life every day so that you never forget it's not you doing this and that so you never ever forget that you need him and that you can't do this yourself." Now, i heard what he said, And if you would ask me, do you you understand that? I said, oh, yeah, I understand that. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. (laughs) I didn't have a clue. And I'll be very honest with you, very transparent here. The Lord has spent the great majority of my ministry or the ministry, his ministry in me that he's given to me. That is him. You see that right there? How many years it took for it no longer to be my ministry and become his ministry? It took decades and decades of frustration, of of failure, uh, uh, of uh, uh, of not getting it, not trying hard, living for God, working for God, and nothing ever seeming to go right from my perspective. It took decades and decades. It doesn't have to take you this long. And the spirit of impartation and the spirit of revelation that God, God himself is ministering in these lessons. If you will receive that, he will take these things that I, that I paid a huge price for and impart them to you so that you can receive them as truth without having to go through all of the details of it. So you can go on from there and you say, well, that doesn't bother you preacher. Are you kidding me? Bother me. It would thrill me to death that you would believe this word and not force God to have to put you through everything that he's put me through. In this studio where I sit, just on the other side of this wall, there's an empty slab of a church building that collapsed in a snowstorm in 2003. I've got a Bachelor of Science degree in engineering. I've been over buildings before. I designed the one that was here and oversaw oversaw it not as the foreman, but as the general contractor, the building of it. Yes, I had men who were very knowledgeable in the business and the trades working with me, but I called the shots. I built this building. I've designed and built houses. I know how to get a building built. But when you're trying to follow God, Sometimes he doesn't let things work like you want them to work. And he has not allowed anything so far to be built on that slab. Because that slab, if for nobody else, is a reminder to me that it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about my way. It's about his ways. And it's not about how man measures what's going on at Antioch. It's how God measures what's going on at Antioch. First 12 years we were here, we saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But when I'd see people at general conference, the first question they would ask isn't, how many people do you pray through lately? No, they never asked that. They, Have you built a building yet? So all of the years we were here, and the hundreds and yea, thousands of people that got the Holy Ghost in those first 12 years, that's not what they wanted to talk about. Have you built a building yet? Well, I built one. He took it down. He took it down to bring me to the end of myself. And he did. This principle in these verses is so critical because I've said many times it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be mightily used of God. But the most challenging thing God does, not because it's hard for him, but it's hard for us to let him, is to both use us mightily and save us in the end. Look at the tests he put every apostle through. After years of ministry, just to guarantee that their motive and attitude and spirit was right with him before they died. All but one of them died a violent death. All but one of them was martyred. And if history is to be believed at all, they tried to boil John the Apostle to death at Rome in a pot of oil boiling oil and he had a, he was a problem to him. He just wouldn't die. And I'm assuming like the three Hebrew children, he wasn't even burned. Wasn't even burned. So they had to banish him to a rocky island just to try to get rid of him him, because they couldn't kill him. Well, that's a pretty traumatic way to bring you to the end. Or to take someone who was so mightily used of God, who seems to have been singled out for special feelings for, uh, from Jesus himself, not natural feelings, but spiritual feelings, so much so that Jesus trusted John with his own mother and his death. He trusted John to care for his mother in his place, replacing him as the eldest son to Jesus' mother. That's quite a statement there. This right here, these verses, and with all the other ones on the on this subject, these verses right here determines the salvation. Of people in the ministry. I'm talking specifically now about those. Who have the giftings to lead the body of Christ. Who've been charged with that responsibility. Those that get it. Make it to heaven. Those that don't. End up shipwrecked. Whether everybody knows it or not. Whether everybody knows it or not. I've said many times, Saul is the one that saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, not Paul. Saul did. And Saul actually was an apostle. And God used Saul to do mighty things. But somewhere along the the road of his life and ministry, Saul was brought to the end of himself by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that end he was brought to was so dramatic that it completely changed the dimension and the focus of the rest of Paul's life and ministry. In fact, he was given a new name, which the name Paul means small or end. God changed his name to to commemorate to him and to us what God did in his life. And Paul is talking about himself here. But he's also using his own life as the Holy Ghost is using the life of Paul and the ministry of Paul as teaching to us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this God specifically called humans not angels. Why? Because angels are made of the substance of God. They are spirit beings. But we have this earthen vessel, this flesh. It's called an earthen vessel because it's made out of the dust of the earth. The original two were made out of the dust of the earth. And in substance, it's still the same substance as the first two bodies in the garden were made out of. They were made out of the dust of the earth. And so much so, the Lord says, that in death, as our bodies decompose, our flesh is, goes back to ashes, goes back to dust from whence it came. Yeah, just earthen vessels. And that dust, when moistened, is made into clay. And clay forms, is what a potter uses to form vessels for whatever purpose he's creating that specific vessel for to be used for. And so the uh, the apostle Paul tells us the work of the fingers of the potter. Because if it like if it, there's times it feels like your life is spinning out of control and you're feeling pressure from all kind of different areas the potter's working on your life today. He's got you spinning on his wheel, and his fingers are putting points of pressure on you to mold you and shape you into what he's called you to do. And listen to what listen to what Paul says that those pressure points from the fingers of God are like. God allows it. He doesn't do these things, but he allows every one of them to put pressure on us. We're told on every side, yet not distressed. God's in it. He's right there with us in it. He lets us be troubled on every side, but he doesn't let us be distressed if we're depending on him. He lets us be perplexed and be in situations that are perplexing. But he's right there with us and doesn't let us go into despair if we are trusting him. He lets us be persecuted, but he's right there with us to let us know we're not forsaken. He lets us be cast down, thrown down, knocked down but he's right there with us and he doesn't let that destroy us these are the workings the pressure points of the fingers of god on that spinning piece of clay that he's making into a vessel for his glory one more time verse 7 but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of god and not of us that the grander and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves amplified in order that the super excellence of the power may be from God as a source and not from us. That's the, that's the focus here, folks. That's the whole purpose of this, of Paul's writing on ministry. He wants our heart right. He wants our head straight. He wants our motives pure. He wants, he wants our understanding of what ministry is and is not, and and how ministry works and what's behind biblical ministry. He wants us to receive all of that. He wants us to understand all of that. He wants us to yield to all of that. And I'll be honest with you. <sighs> that building collapsed on my birthday. My birthday, my 57th birthday. February the 18th, 2003. And it sent me into one of the lowest places of my entire life. I did not deny God. I did not get involved with deep sin. I just didn't want to do this anymore. I, I felt like a complete failure. I felt like everything I'd ever done, which was not truth, because the church was stronger than it had ever been, the church is the body of Christ. The building, the house the church met in, uh, that not so much. It was it, and the insurance company made us keep the wreckage there for over a year while they investigated to see if someone was to blame that they could sue and collect their losses from. So every day you drove up, drove up on this hill, you had to look at that wreckage. They wouldn't even let us cart off. God was so intent that I see that, that I face that. And it felt like my life and ministry was as wrecked as that. I want to be saved. I just didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to do it anymore. I was done. But on the night of August the 1st, Friday night, August the 1st, in a church in Attleboro, Massachusetts, after I had finished ministering for three days against my will, Oh, I did the will of God, but it wasn't my will to do it at all. God spoke to me through the things he spoke to them for three nights and two days. And at the end of that week, I went over. When I finished that last night, went over beside the platform, laid on my face before God and finally died. Oh, I had died and we all have When I was in situations bad enough that that, that there was nothing left I could do and I, and I didn't get to that point till I'd done all I could do first for God. When I did everything I could do for God to fix the situation, to change the situation. And every time that I got to the place and he wouldn't do a thing while I was trying to do it for him. But when I finally got to the place, I couldn't do it myself. And then finally, he would show up, that's a figure of speech, and he would empower me to give up and let him do it. And so if you'd asked me before August the 1st, 2003, if I'd ever died, sure I've died, I just didn't stay dead. As soon as things got better, consciously or subconsciously, I began to take control back. I wanted to do the will of God. I wanted to do the work of God. I just wanted to also uh, do it for him, and I wanted to have some control in it. Well, I didn't understand all of that. It was way too deep in my motives for me to really get that most of the time. But that's really what I was doing. That's what I was doing. He brought me to the end of myself. My life has never been the same since about 10 o'clock. <laughs> Eastern Daylight Time, PM, 10 PM Eastern Day Eastern Daylight Time, August the first, two thousand three. I laid it all down and have never taken it back up. Now I die daily, and what that simply means is, by the grace of God, at the beginning of every day, I I let Him empower me. To make sure that I'm not taking any control back. I'm casting it. I'm giving it up. I'm trusting him. Because I want to stay dead. Why? Because verse 10 says. Always bearing about in the body. The dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's the the reason. For we which live are always delivered unto death, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. If you or I ignore this principle stated three different times, same principle, Verse 10, verse 11, verse 12. All three of them are saying the exact same thing, just three slightly different ways. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We're trying to live. He wants us to die. We're trying to preserve our lives. He's wanting us to give our lives up to him. We're trying to to win his approval he's trying to give us to, to give up on that and simply receive his love and approval because of who we are not because of what we do so that we can be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works so that the good things being done are not me doing them but god doing them i don't i will take the credit for the good i do the glory But I will always give God the credit, the glory for what he does through me because I'm aware I'm not doing it. He is doing it. Why? Because if I'm still living, that's the life that will be be reproduced in my my converts. My converts. I will be imparting my life to them. They will pattern their life after me and my life. Been there, done that. I thought I was doing the will of God. That's what I saw my pastors do. And I had seven of them because my dad was in the Navy. By the time I was, I graduated high school, I'd had seven pastors. I watched that. I, that's what they did. They lived the life and then tried to get people to live the life they were living. That's not it at all. I'm supposed to be dead to my life so that the life of Christ can live through me, so that the life that people receive is not my life, it's his life. Because if they receive my life, they have to work to copy my life. If they receive his life, his life will empower them, because he will be the one living his life through them. And that's why Paul says, So then death worketh in us, but life in you. For we which live, I'm going backwards now, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Why? Going back one more verse. Always bearing about the in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in and through our bodies. This is the goal. This is the plan. This is the purpose. This is a, this is biblical ministry. This is biblical ministry. Every church growth seminar, every church planting church growth book that does not start with this principle. John 12:24 Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. That Those words of Jesus are the exact summary of what Paul said in six verses right here. That's it. Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. The compelling power of the love of God is... He loved me. I didn't deserve it. And his love compels me, compels me to give myself to him 100% so that I am, I am, I give up myself. I come to the end of me so that he can live through me, so that he can live through me. And going back to verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's what Paul said. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I've determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I came to you not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How many good people out there are following good ministers of God, male or female, And yet the minister of God through his body is living for God, working for God. And the minister and the people are following that person and mimicking their lifestyle. Yes, Paul did say, follow me as I follow Christ. But when you know all these things that Paul said, you know that he was not saying, mimic me. Follow me. He was saying, follow the Christ who lives in me and works through me because I have been crucified. Galatians 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what this is about, my friend. Everything God allows in my life is intended to bring me to the end of myself so that I will finally, by the grace of God, give up my will completely to God. I don't go, I don't have to go hang on a cross and have nails driven through my hands and feet, my face beaten to a bloody pulp, thorns driven into my skull, my back, whipped until it looks like a plowed field, a spear driven into my side. That's not what that's talking about. The crucifixion of Christ started in the garden. And how was it? He died. Not my will, but thine be done. So when I give up my will completely to him, and I give up my ways completely to him, and I give up my motives completely to him, and I become simply his instrument, his vessel is conduit then I have reached the place that God can begin to use me like never before and my ministry will only or the his ministry in me will will only continue to grow and become more and more powerful since then you know why again Paul said it it's not words it's not my words that make people converts of the Lord Jesus Christ. I preach the gospel, knowing only Christ and Him crucified. And then God demonstrates his power and confirms that word, and people's faith then stand in the power of God and not in the wisdom of men. And not in and in God's person and not in human personality. I don't know that it's wrong to show your appreciation to a minister uh, who has preached a message that blessed you. It's okay to say, thank you for yielding to God. Thank you for being used of God. The Lord helped me today. But when we go beyond that and we begin to heap praise on the vessel, this earthen vessel, Rather than praising the one who used that simple vessel through his excellent power, we have crossed the line that God is not okay with. And every true man and woman of God, they don't take those things in here. I, I was preaching for a friend of mine, and the Lord, the Lord really did some things, and he said some amazing things. And uh, I can say that because it wasn't me doing it. I'm bragging on the God that did it. And it was after service and the man looked at me and said, I I don't know if I know anybody in the whole world with more revelation than you have. And I just looked at him and never said a word. He looked at me funny. Finally, a few uh, minutes later, he said, You don't believe what I said, do you? And I looked at him and I said, I believe you believe that, but I can't afford to. I can't afford to believe that. I can't. So I've learned just to say thank you, or I appreciate it. Because the Lord and I have a deal. When I say thank you to them, I'm thanking him. When I say I deeply appreciate it to them, I'm saying to him, I deeply appreciate the honor of just being your old earthen vessel that you can do and say awesome stuff through. In Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for your soul's sake and my soul's sake, and for the salvation of those that you minister to, and for the salvation of those I minister to, I pray by the grace of God, that you and I would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in these truths and that we would surrender to them and give ourselves up, our pride, our will, our way, our ambition, our motives, give it all up to God so that this world can have people that God can trust to minister through that absolutely will do wonderful and great things uh, that he can do wonderful and great things through for his kingdom. So that we, while we die daily, he lives through us daily. And that they receive life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>